Hello. This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Very. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Everybody, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. I am here today with Danae Hudson, who is the co-owner of Valley Self-Defense. She is a trauma-informed self-defense instructor with the International Krav Maga Federation. Danae, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited that you reached out to to Valley Self-Defense. Yeah, (laughs) with you, with you, exactly. Like I said, like we were just kind of chatting about offline, like, when I looked at your website and everything you're about, I was like, oh, I, I want to chat to them just for my own interest. And there's no way we're not going to publish that as an episode because absolutely <laughs> all of my listeners are going to want to hear about this. Um, so let's talk about you, of course. Let's start a little bit chronological. Let's start sort of at the beginning of your life, some of your upbringing, some of your experiences before meeting Krav Maga, and then we'll talk about getting into training and becoming trauma-informed. So, yeah, tell us about you. Perfect. So I actually, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, uh, in the United States. Um, After I, you know, went through high school, I was picked on a lot. I was bullied um, for a variety of reasons. And um, I got married, I moved to New York and New York City and started working in television. Uh, And after a little bit in television, I really wanted to help people. Uh, And so I moved to the Middle East Mm-hmm. And I was the communications coordinator for a church in Jerusalem. Um, while I was there, I was there during the 2014 Gaza War, um, which is something that I had never experienced before. Um, and I had some private trauma that had happened to me, learned helplessness and you know a number of other things. And um, my mental health really suffered. And I said to my spouse, I said, uh, do what you can to get us back to the United States. And we moved to Minnesota, a place I had never been to before. And I was terrified. I didn't go outside for a few weeks. I, um, okay. So if you know anything about Minnesota, we are very, very cold and Mm -hmm. very snowy. So we have a thing in downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul called the Skyway. So you literally don't have to leave a building to walk around downtown. So I, I, it's, oh, it's amazing in the winter. I love it. But I, you know, I spent two weeks in my apartment and then I spent two weeks in the skyway. So I didn't go outside for a month. And uh, finally I was like, I I need to find a therapist. So I found a therapist and I get very, um, I don't know if you ever feel this. I get very strong feelings about things. I just had this very strong feeling. It was like, I think I should learn Mm self-defense and um, talk to my therapist. And she's a great idea. Um, And I always say it was almost destined for me to, to find Krav Maga. I had uh, talked to a person who I knew who lived in the city before I did. And I said, Hey, you know, do you know anything about self-defense? And she goes, Oh, there's this place called uh, Krav Maga Minneapolis. They did a bike thing. She's uh, very into cycling. I said, okay. Um, And then I went, you know, to Google and I looked it up and I looked up self-defense. And the first thing that popped up was 
Crafting down Minneapolis. And then I went to the YMCA and I said, you know, do you do any self-defense lessons? And they said, we don't, but there is a place called Krav Maga Minneapolis here. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I guess if three people have told me I have like three things, I really should be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I went and I was like, I'm just going to do this for a few weeks and um, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel better walking down the street. Um, and then, you know, I'm, it'll be fine. Six, five, six years later, and now I'm an instructor and a co-owner. And um, it, we were talking earlier, right? Like martial arts saved my life. It's changed. Krav Maga has changed my life completely. Um, And so for me, knowing what it did for me, and then seeing what it's done for other women in my life has been a huge thing. And it's, it's why for me, I started um, looking to do trauma-informed self-defense. And I know that's like the, like the condensed version of my story, but I always laugh because I went from being, you know, saying, Oh, it's just going to be, I'm going to do like a month. And now I'm at the gym like four to five times a week. And it's become a, a huge, huge part of my life. I was talking about this with, with someone a couple of days ago about how much it, it just escalates, right? Someone's like, yes. how, how do you get punched in the face? You're like, well, I didn't walk in and then immediately get punched in the face. It kind of escalated. It was like training a bit. I'm hitting pads. Now we're doing specific training. Now I'm sparring. Now I'm in Thailand. Now I'm taking a fight. Now I'm taking a pro <laughs> fight. Like things just escalate. I mean, in all areas of life, nothing goes from zero to a hundred, but yeah, martial arts is like that, right? Oh my, and I always make sure to tell people, like I cried my first lesson um, and I also bit at my first lesson. Um, You're doing the warm up. Mm -hmm. I had specifically, I specifically signed up for the class because it said it was being taught by a woman and I got there and it was being taught by a man. And I was like, well, I'm here now. I can't back out. Um, and I was just terrified and we're running, we're running. And then all of a sudden I just boom, face to the floor. And I was like, I can never come back here again. <laughs> um, and of course, my first class, we were working on how to defend yourself against chokes. And I was just terrified. And for me, the thing that made the difference is I was partnered with a man and he could tell how anxious I was. And he was so kind and was just like, Hey, it's okay. Like you are allowed to, like, you can tell me to stop. Like, you don't have to do this as hard as you can. Like, it's going to be all right. And I just remember, and then that was the moment when I was like, Oh, never mind. Nobody is as embarrassed about me, like eating, eating dirt as I am. So that community, like, I went there wanting to feel safe. And then it was the community that kept me constantly coming back. So, Yeah, it's very like that. There's a level of care um, and compassion for other people that you develop once you learn how to really respect people's boundaries and how to constantly Mm. be getting explicit and implicit consent about, you know, Mm. am I hitting you too hard? Am I choking you too hard? Like, uh, where are you at today versus yesterday? And, And all of these like little, really like small details that you pick up on with other people in this community that you become a part of because looking after each other is so paramount when what you're doing is practicing self-defense and combat against each other. It's, and it's, it's so much about trust. And I actually, that's actually how 
for me, it, it turned into trauma-informed care. I spent a lot of time in therapy. And uh, as I was teaching classes and taking classes, I could feel either myself getting triggered. Like I had a number of things that um, times that I had to walk out of class Um and I also have had a number of students or, or been part of classes where people walked out and I just wanted to be like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. We totally understand. And so that was the big thing for me. Um, excuse me. When talking with Peter and Shelly, um, our two other co-owners, um, I recognize the signs because I've seen them in myself. Um, but we actually had a student come and talk to us and say, she's like, it wasn't instructor who um, I just, I couldn't come back with that person. And so I said, you know, I, I don't want to be the only person that knows what trauma looks like or what, what it looks like when you're about to lose it. Cause that's, you know, for me, I have very certain things that I am about to lose it. And it would have made a difference to me in certain things if someone had recognized that in the moment. And um, it's been amazing to hear our instructors kind of say, I, I, di- I wouldn't have recognized it before, uh, but after our training, like I recognize it now. And so that's made a huge, huge difference. And it's made a huge difference in our community. Um, in, in my mind, the people who should be doing self-defense are the people who are often afraid to be doing self-defense. Um, people who are queer, people who have experienced trauma, people who identify as female, um, are often people who are both scared, like, uh, like have anxiety in real life and then, you know, step on the mat and don't feel welcome. And so our community, it's been a, a huge, um, a huge deal that we've become trauma informed and it's, it's gone through everything. And especially with the pandemic, right? Like with COVID, um, when we shut down, one of the first things we did was try and build up our community and make sure that people were okay. Because your, yes, your physical health is absolutely important, but your mental health comes to the map too. It's never just your body, it's your whole person. And I think that's, that's been a huge thing for us. So what does that look like when, let's start with the training. So when you guys found a trauma-informed care provider and our local expert to train you, what are the sort of things that you were learning? You know, it's actually, it was a funny story. Um, She came to us and said, I have a daughter. Um, She has special needs. I would really like um, to figure out a way for us to work together. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when you hear that, it's like, oh, somebody wants something for free. And so we were like, okay, well, let's meet this person. And then she told us that she um, has a PhD in trauma-informed education and kind of went through all this stuff. And we were just like, my God, can we please work with you? Um, so knowing that we had this person, she actually specifically developed the course for our gym. And then we've we've started to kind of invite other Krav Maga studios to, to, to learn with us. Um, and so I've gone through the training like three or four times, but a lot of it, and I saw that some of your stuff, right? It's learning about ACEs. It's learning about the way trauma like is wired in your brain. And we had some instructors who were like, you know, I really, I really don't get it. I don't understand, you know, in Krav Maga, we're really supposed to, we're supposed to push people out of their comfort zone. And um, 
our instructor, her, uh, her name is Dr. Heather Olson and she's amazing. And she has this slide and it's about what trauma does to your entire body and your memory. And the, the item she uses falling off a bicycle. And our one instructor at the end of it said, that was amazing. He said, I've never, I thought I'd never experienced trauma. I've fallen off a bicycle and I can tell you like all the things that you talked about have happened to me because it was scary, but we don't, when we think about trauma, we often think about big T trauma, not little T trauma. Right. And I think that's, that's the one thing is like trauma, trauma is war zones. Trauma is your house burns down. Trauma is assault. Trauma is violence. But we forget that trauma can also be these little things that when they happen enough, they start to grow and they really like affect who you are as a person. I had a student the other day. um, I come from a somewhat religious background and unfortunately the church causes trauma. And, um, you know, as we're talking She's incredibly strong. She like almost knocked me over. And I said to her, I said, well, I'm sure you've heard this, but you're very strong. And she goes, no, no one has ever told me that in my life. No one has ever said that to me. Like for her to be called gentle was the, right? Um, And that's the thing, right? Like be nice, be gentle, be kind. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily always, not always just religion, but also, you know, being feminine, right? Mm-hmm. That's a right. Yeah, be don't take labeling. up space. Be small. Oh, be pretty. Yep. Be pretty. I love my mom, and I know that she's probably going to listen to this, but she was like, "Danae, cross your legs," and I was, I was like, "Why?" Like, I don't, I don't want to, right? But there are just like there are certain expectations, right, that are set for you. And when she literally like stopped and said, "No one has ever told me that I'm strong," and I like was like, "I don't know how," like. But that's all those little things, right? That you just didn't realize over time eventually just told you that you weren't worth it and that you didn't deserve to defend yourself. And it's really, I think that trauma-informed self-defense a lot of times is about stepping in and letting someone go at their own pace, understanding what their problems might be, letting them slowly just starting to push them, right? Like the goal is always to keep working, but never, but to let them lead. But to also, um, one of the best things Dr. Heather Olson has always said is it's not what's wrong with you. It's what's strong with you. Mm. So pointing out to people like things that I think are obvious has been huge because while they're obvious to me, I found that they're very rarely obvious to my students. Yeah, and I wonder what's been your experience with the whole pushing versus not pushing thing. Like, do you find that at the end of, say, six months of training under a trauma-informed model versus back, um, I'm assuming, like, when you first trained Trav Magar, it wasn't under a trauma-informed model, so there was that more, you know, um, pushing from the instructors to grow. What do you think? Do you think in a six-month timeline, is there much of a difference between the end result? Um, no, that's a good question. I have to think about that. I, I found that I've had instructors and it's, and I always want to be like, 
you know, because I still work with my instructors, right? And I love them all for various reasons. Um, but a lot of times I was told, do it, just do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I'm sorry, what? Um, I need, I need to see the thing. I need to talk about the thing. I need to do the thing slowly. I need to do the thing fast. And then I need to start the process over until I'm comfortable. And for me, that's how it sticks in my head. And I have found that with our, with trauma-informed students, the more we're talking, we're going over, we're doing it slowly, we're repeating it, it stays. And so maybe like, I'm I'm like, so like tiptoeing, like the fine line, right? Um, But I found at least with our trauma-informed students, you know, the, the conversation is important. The moving slowly is important and it stays in their heads longer. And I can see, I can see it. Right. And I can see that. I understand that some people, for some people that just do it thing works really well. And it just, I know it doesn't for me and I've seen it when it doesn't work for other people. And so that's for me, I'm like, you know, let's just talk about it. Let's like, let's practice it. Let's practice it on, like, and we always practice on your own and practice together, but let's practice on our own for an entire class. Um, and I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, when do you push and when do you not? Cause there have been moments where I've been like, oh, I probably could have, could have pushed a little harder, but I would rather, I would rather go slow and make sure that someone's like, okay, than to try and, and maybe push a bit too much and absolutely like have to start over from square one with trauma and triggers and anything like that. Um, so I know that I am particularly careful, um, which can be both, you know, can be a double-edged sword. And, and I think you answer it really well, right? And, and of course, everybody wants to think, or some people want to think like this way is the best way. And, and I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think of them as two pathways to get from A to B, right? You end yep. up in the same destination. And, and what I have found is kind of by the same timeline, right? If you push people, you can get more reps in and probably you're going to end up with a similar level of skills in six months, Whereas if you let people go more slowly and learn it for themselves, they make mistakes and making mistakes is critical for neuroplasticity and learning, which is at the end of the day, what we're looking for. So for example, my background's in sports science. And so if you think about a a learning model, even a learning model aligns really well with the trauma informed model, because we say, well, okay, you can generate performance by giving a lot of feedback, by saying, this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong, this was right, this was right, this was right, do this, exactly. Here's how you're going to position your hip, hand, duh, duh, duh. And you can put someone into the absolute correct technique and they will perform it to a very high standard on that day. But the measure of learning or one of the measures of learning, there are five, is repeatability the following day and a month and six months later. And what you find is that when people take it at their own place, at their own pace, engage with the way that they learn best, whether that's visual, audio, by doing or some combination, then it sticks for longer, like you said, right? And so I don't think there's there's a right or wrong, like both work, but it's so cool to point out that a trauma-informed model is not just 
tiptoeing around trauma. It's also a highly yeah. effective way to learn. And that mm-hmm. to me is where, like what I said earlier offline, where it's like, I don't think we should even need to call it trauma-informed. This should be like mm-hmm. just the most effective environment that is inclusive for all people and allows everybody to learn. It doesn't just happen to work for some um portion of the group who respond well to being told what to do and being pushed. Absolutely. And I, I will say I've been teaching, you know, we, we say civilians, right? So we've been teaching civilians for a while. And I've just started recently asking, especially women, could you punch a person in the face? Like very honestly, something has happened. Could you do, can you see yourself punching someone in the face? And I've had a number of people say no. And I said, I'm going to teach you how to punch someone in the face, but I'm going to teach you other options too. Because if you can't, if you're, if you're anxious about doing it or feel like you can't, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to do it on the street. So then I'll say, okay, well, do you feel comfortable pushing someone? And everyone says yes, right? Because there are things that, you know, you've, that are okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I always talk about, I, I know we talked about weapons, right? I, I actually personally carry a tactical flashlight all the time. I'm pretty sure that I'm keeping 511 tactical in business because the amount of flashlights I've purchased because I keep, I'll be like, oh, I have one in my, here you go, here's one in my pocket. But I don't have to think about it. I know how a flashlight works. So if I'm in a situation where I'm stressed, a flashlight is an automatic item, right? Pushing it feels like a more natural action to me at times than punching. Now I could punch people in the, right? Like you said, like you, you progress, but a lot of times if it's a seminar and I'm going to see you once or twice, I, I want to talk to you and say, Hey, like, what, what is your comfort level with this? Because if you have some sort of, you know, response around punching someone and, and very rarely are we teaching fighters? We have had moments where it's like, oh, you're a rugby player. All right. Well, we know that you can, you can hit people. So we're going to teach you this. Right. Um, but for the most part, the people coming into our gym aren't like, I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. They're, they're anxious. They're either, either something has happened or they're worried something will happen. And that comes from a place of anxiety and for us, the other thing we see a lot of, and you, you kind of mentioned it, like you've done this wrong, you've done this right. Um, when I've found a lot of times you've done this wrong is then all that's heard, right? So a lot of times, and especially this, this is the thing I love about Krav Maga. In the grand scheme of things, like we can teach you techniques and we can teach you things. If you make it home, you've done it correctly right? It's not about like, I'm on the street. I'm like, okay, my elbow has to be here. My elbow has to be, I have to do this, right? If that happens, oh my God, I will be incredibly, incredibly impressed. What we teach Krav is you're going to be anxious. You're going to mess up, take a deep breath, make your mistakes in here, and then do everything you can to save yourself out there. Because I think especially I've had students who it, it breaks my heart. I have never heard them say a kind word about themselves yeah. ever. And it absolutely breaks my heart. And so that idea of like, just do it. Like, well, they, 
that's not how they operate. And when they do it, even if they're doing it correctly, they're going to be like, well, I'm sure I'm doing this wrong. I'm like, oh, oh, like I, you know, it just breaks my heart to see, but I, it, I understand I was there once, like it totally makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a real thing. What we do at the end of every class is we we get in a group and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but at least think to yourself one positive thing that came out of the class, like one thing you did well in that class. I like that. Um, and in the group environment where everybody's sharing, it tends to foster more sharing, which is really beautiful and powerful. Um, but I have some of my students, they say, you know, like the, the kickboxing, yeah, but like the, the saying one good thing about myself, that's the hardest part of the class for me. Like that is the most mm-hmm. difficult. And that's a real, real thing for a lot of people. Yeah. It takes practice just like everything else. It takes a ton of practice. And I actually, um, I used to work in uh, communications for youth at risk and experiencing homelessness. And um, one of my coworkers, I'll, their name is Say. And I said something about myself and they said, you need to say three nice things about yourself right now. And it jarred me out of, you know, what I was doing. And now I make it a habit. If I hear someone saying something, you know, particularly cruel about themselves, I'll be like, all right, well, you need to say like at least one nice thing about yourself. And most of the time they think I'm joking. (laughs) I am not like what the, you know, what we say to ourselves is, is what we believe. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually did that recently. I messed up. I was late to therapy and I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. And my therapist goes, we're not doing that today. I said, thank you. Like, I got you. <laughs> like, but it's so easy to just fall into those. Like, I'm not good at this. I'm dumb. Like, this mm-hmm. is my mistakes define me. And it's, it's not, it's, it's a, everything is a learning process, but you know, I don't know how you feel, but the confidence gap in being raised female, like often it's a huge thing. And, um, God bless my thirties. And I just keep hoping that the older I get, the less I, I less, the less I care about those types of things. And that can just be more truly myself. hundred percent. I'm curious about what a class would look like. So if I step on the mat, like kind of an outline from start to finish, what, what will a trauma informed Krav Maga class involve? So for us, um, we try and welcome people before they even come to the gym, especially if we find, so we had a a thing people could email us, please let us know if you are feeling anxious, like we will talk to you beforehand. You can come watch a class before you join. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had a number of people uh, take us up on that. When we start class, I make sure I give everybody my pronouns. I tell people like, Mm -hmm. do what you can don't like, if it hurts, don't do it. Like there's no point in injuring yourself. Um, we have a code of conduct that is front and center, um, that talks about how we respect each other and how we care for one another. Um, and so most of the time people walk in and I'm like, Hey, so-and-so this is, this is a new person. And automatically everybody is super welcoming and which just like makes my heart so full. Um, so once we're on the mat, like I said, pronouns, um, we make sure people are introducing themselves to each other. Like no one is left out. I try and ask, um, especially for classes that are predominantly women, like, you know, are we, can we do this? Can we do that? Um, one of the things that in Krav Maga we do a lot is we say, okay, we're going to close our eyes. Cause so for example, 
if we're learning how to do something where somebody touches you, especially like a choke, it's really bad form to like, let somebody walk up to you like this, Mm -hmm. right? You never want to let somebody do that. So we'll say, close your eyes. But we will also say, if you cannot close your eyes, please look at the ceiling. Um, And we allow people really to kind of make decisions for themselves on what their comfort level is. Um, I try and make sure that if people know something is going to happen, like there's never any surprises. Mm -hmm. So you like people have options. Like sometimes we've had people say, you know what, I don't want to do that. And I'd, I'd prefer to sit out and watch. Absolutely. Go ahead and sit out and watch. Or I'd prefer to do that, but I'd prefer to work with you instead of say, Peter, um, Peter is our, um, male co-owner and he is a big dude. And he's also the biggest teddy bear you'll ever meet. But when you see him, he is physically intimidating. Mm. Um, right. And so a lot of times some people say, well, I'd rather work with you than, and I, I would prefer not to work with him. Um, I've had moments where you can kind of see people's eyes change. Um, when those types of things happen, we'll stop class and we'll do breathing exercises together. If people need to talk, we'll talk, we'll stop and get water. Um, really the only thing that changes in a Krav Maga class in in my mind is, um, giving people space to feel comfortable, right? So like if you, we've had some people have, um, panic attacks in the middle of class, so if you know, the, yeah, I'm sure you know the five, four, three, two, one, mm-hmm. um, you know, technique. So um, I, Peter is actually really excited because one of our students had it. Peter was the closest instructor and he did the five, four, three, two, one, was able to get the person to kind of come back and not dissociate in the middle of class. Um, and, and we deal with hard things. So a lot of times I'll make sure and sit down, especially if it's a new person and say, is there anything that you... Um, have triggers around? Is there anything you would prefer not to learn or not to do? Um, and chokes are a huge one. A lot of times firearms um, are another one. So I always try and take into account what students are feeling. Um, but I also try and make sure that we're laughing, like, and we're working and we're working together. Um, a lot of my classes end up having a lot more teamwork um, or you know, I'm somewhat ridiculous and <laughs> just generally speaking. And I um, will sing in the middle of class. Um, it's we're doing hard stuff. Um, and I think a lot of times that if you can make people smile, you're kind of at least that's part of taking away the the anxiety of 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 doing these traumatic things. So at the end, I make sure that everybody's feeling OK. Um And a lot of times if somebody has been on the mat and I could tell that they were triggered, but didn't necessarily want attention brought to it. When we all leave the mat, then I'll kind of stop by that person, make sure they're okay. Um, I've had people have to sit and breathe because they're not going to be able to get in the car. Um, I've had people stay. And I know that like sometimes people like Danae, you need to also prioritize your time, but I can't help myself. And I've had people stay for an hour and just talk because I know that you need to process. so my classes really like kind of differ just based on who's around, but always keeping in mind that um, the person is kind of driving the activity and that they have options. Um, we just did a large thing with um, how to get out of a crowd, um, especially if you know the astro world um, 
concert where a number of people, it was in Texas and a number of people were killed um, and were trampled to death. And it was absolutely horrifying. And so we then said, okay, well, we're going to do this, how to get out of a crowd. But we're also, if you, if you're anxious about working with a larger group, are you more comfortable working with a smaller group? Are you more comfortable working with people who identify like you? Do you want to just observe and not do this at all? Um, there's kind of no requirement. Um, and that's that for me has been the best way to move forward with it. Um, but I'm always looking for new ideas. So if anybody, you know, has them, I always ask a question at the start of class. Um, our most heated discussion was, um, do you love or hate candy corn? Um, was our most heated debate so far. So <laughs> there's no in between. There's no in between on candy corn, I have found. Do I love or hate candy corn? <laughs> <laughs> and now I want to know. Oh, well, wait. You're talking about like the, that's the popcorn that's got the sweet coating around the outside of it. Oh, no, this is a terrible American creation. Oh, I don't think I've tried um, it. So I don't know. Oh my God. Okay. There you go. So um, (laughs) it's essentially like putting um, sugar that tastes like um, food coloring in -hmm. your mouth. I absolutely hate it. Um, just watch, this is going to start an argument on your podcast, but, um, but so, you know, a lot of feelings below. (laughs) I'm so sorry if you have very, very deep love for candy corn. Um, but you know, then, so then what we did was we actually found that there was a turkey dinner flavored candy corn and we brought it in and specifically it was, uh, some people were loved it. Most of us did not. And, you know, then that community part of it, we brought everybody together and said, here, go ahead and try this. Um, I think they hated us after, but (laughs) Um, so I think for me, it's trauma, like building a trauma informed class and having community, it goes hand in hand. You can't Mm -hmm. really have one without the other. 100%. Yeah. God bless America. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We've heard that quite a number of times, especially when it comes to like our firearms training. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> I flagged this before class because I was just going through your website and I was like, oh my God, agree, agree, agree. And then I was like, firearms, wow. Um, for me, living in Australia, this is the kind of thing where the perception is very, we can't believe that the laws still exist. Like, uh, is mm-hmm. it better not just to completely stay away from them? Like, accidents can happen. The perception is very much more people die in accidents than in deliberate shootings. And I don't actually know even whether or not that is true. But what do you guys do with firearms and why? So actually, um, so in the United States, it's such an interesting thing. Because when you talk about self-defense, the first thing anyone t- says is, why well, carry a gun? Which, you know, like you said, like, that's just the way it is. And so when I actually first moved back to the U.S. and I said that I was fearful, a lot of people said, well, you should get a gun. And I was like, I am absolutely terrified of guns. And I would be more afraid of that than the person attacking me. And and so that's just a whole, right? That's one level of this. So a lot of times what ends up happening is that we have um, people or women, um, who come to us and say, you know, I'm really anxious and I want to learn how to use a gun. And so what we've typically found is that these are people who have never touched a gun before. And we'll say, 
I understand if you want to get your permit to carry in the grand scheme of things, like we always say, like, especially to people who are like, yeah, my gun is my self-defense. Okay. Well, you pull your gun and I'm going to run at you. Can you pull that gun before I get to you? Like, especially if I have a knife or another weapon, like, like, are you good? Can you pull your firearm? Like, it's only as good as you know how to use it. Mm. Um, So a lot of times what we'll say to women or, you know, we've had a number of people from the queer community come and we'll say, you don't have to get your permit. You could just learn how to be comfortable with it, especially if there's someone in your home that that has a firearm or, um, you know, we've had people who have suffered abuse who there was a gun involved. Mm. And for some people that means I don't want to see a firearm at all. And for some people that is, I need to learn everything about this firearm so that if something were to happen to me again, I know how to handle it. So we've had people where we go over all the parts of a gun, how a gun, how a gun can or can't go off. Mm. Um, like how it works if you find a gun at home and how to unload it or load it if you need to. Um, and Peter is our firearms instructor and Shelly is also a firearms instructor. I personally have gone through a number of firearms trainings, um, but it's like my mental health, I will not have a gun in my house. Um, so I very much am, am like, I understand why people have them. But for me, um, in the United States, suicide is the um, number one gun-related death, you know, in the United States. So, um, I, you know, I don't want to chance it. I, my mental health was particularly bad at the start of the pandemic. And then to think if I had had a gun in the house, I'm not quite sure we'd be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I that's another thing that, like, you know, we can bring up is, like, if you're going to have a gun... You need to know the psychological effects of it. You need to understand how it works um, and you need to understand all these things. We try and have a conversation um, about like, do you like, do you actually want one or do you just want to learn how to use it? And if you actually want one, we can help you. But um, Peter is very good because guns produce a lot of anxiety. And like I said, we've had people who have had trauma around guns, um, but they really want to know how they work. Um, and he's absolutely fabulous at, at helping people remain calm in a situation that is terrifying. And I'll tell you, he, he's, he's almost the only person I'll shoot with now, because when I first started, I was terrified. I was like, this, this thing is going to kill me. It is somehow I'm going to touch it and it's going to explode in my face. Um, and I would, he would stand behind me and kind of place his hand on my shoulder be like, it's okay. Take a deep breath in. You breathe out. Shoot the gun. And I would. And then you go, okay. Now let's set it down. Are you okay? And so it's that. Once again, it's kind of that conversation. Like, is this okay? And um, are you okay? If the answer is no, all right. Let's put everything away and let's leave. Like, you don't have to stay there. Like, once again, like if you want to learn and you're like, yes, this is. I'm a hundred percent in, but I can't be a hundred percent in every time. Um, that's the other part of it, but I, I totally get it. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of conversation. And I think for us, if we're going to have people with guns, you know, around, we just are right. Especially for us, we live in a, in a particularly, um, you know, suburban rural area, um, people hunt and people, you know, have a number of guns on them at any point in time. And, um, 
we want everyone to feel like they can walk into a class and learn and not feel like, um, not feel any sort of shame. But like I said, it's very like, we'll have a conversation like, do you want to learn this or would you rather learn how to defend yourself without this? Um, but we always, no matter what weapon anybody carries, we always say like, you need to practice with it as much as humanly possible. Um, we've you had people pull out their pepper spray and it was pointing towards them. And so that's like, that's what, that's why I carry a flashlight. Like I said, I know how to use it all at any given time. Um, but yeah, so fire, firearms are an interesting, an interesting thing. I personally would love for Krav Maga or any of the, for people to take any martial art, really out anything. Um, as long as it helps you feel more confident on the street, um, you know, for me personally, a firearm would be the absolute last resort. And like I said, I don't, I don't own one. I don't carry one, but I know plenty of people who do. And so I, I personally would rather know what to do in a situation and feel more comfortable with it. But I coming from another country, I know that that's, it's a whole other conversation. For sure. I know. I'm really glad I asked because I think it brings up for me quite a lot of parallels with what I see happening here in Australia and around the world where people put their head in the sand in response to big, scary things. Right. And so like my experience has been trauma. Right. One in four Australian women have been victims of interpersonal violence, which means a partner that they knew and trusted um assaulted them in in some way or put them under coercive control right and we totally don't talk about that and there aren't many trauma-informed programs period and there are much fewer trauma-informed martial arts programs because people are scared of triggering survivors as if that's the scariest thing in the world when you think about all of these um perpetrators who are walking around integrated within our communities and for me, I was like, oh, that's kind of the parallel with guns for, for, for the states. It's not, it's, it's not okay to, well, it's just not an option to be like, well, I think that the legislation should prohibit guns and they should be completely expunged from our culture uh, as if that's some overnight thing that could happen, even if the rest of the country did want it to happen. So your only options are to pretend that they don't exist, like pretend trauma doesn't exist, or mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to become more safe about it. And like for you, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to have one in my house, but I'm not going to stick my head in the sand. Well, and I, you know, when I worked with uh, youth at risk and experiencing homelessness, the big thing we talked about was harm reduction. And that's actually kind of, for me, how I view like the firearms training is um, in some ways this harm reduction. If I know it, if, if I know what the thing is, if I know how it works, it can be a little less scary. Now, one of the things that I appreciate that Peter says is you should always be uncomfortable at least a little bit around firearms because they are so powerful. Mm. Um, and, and for me, it's that that rings very true because once you're once you're too comfortable with something, you can become careless. And not to say that that's always true, but it's always a possibility. So, like I, you know, like I said, like I don't have one, but learning learning about it has made me feel a lot more confident. Um, would I de- like, we're actually just having this conversation, Krav Maga, as you level up, you can learn how to defend yourself against, um, guns and disarm people with, with weapons. Um, would I personally ever do that? I don't know. 
I like to say it would literally be my last defense. I would try anything else I had um, in my arsenal before I tried to take a gun away from someone because you would literally have to say, Danae, I'm going to put you in this car. I'm going to take you somewhere and I'm going to kill you, right? Then I'm going to you know, do everything in my power to, to do that. But um, <laughs> guns are scary. Guns are scary, right? I feel like I don't even have to say that for people. But, but yeah, at the very least, harm reduction so that people understand. We, we work a lot with um, lasers. So cert laser training and, and different things so that people, people can feel more comfortable. Um, handling a real firearm could be terrifying. I was say, I don't even know. Have you ever touched a gun before? No, I've never touched a gun. My dad has a license. So he has them locked up, but he, you know, you have to have the, the gun separate to the ammunition. It can't be loaded while you're transporting it unless you're at the shooting range, like shooting a target. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's not a thing. No one would ever hand you a gun. Although I, in my, in my work, I have worked a lot with, um, like our equivalent of SWAT. So I've been around mm. people with guns a lot, but like they're not allowed to hand them to us to touch. And I, I think I would be absolutely terrified. Right, right. And yeah, and it's so, um, I wish I could remember the stats for the United States, but the stats are like something staggering. Like there are like 300 million uh, people in the United States and like four mil- 400 million guns or something like that. There's like enough firearms that every American could have three or something. Um, wow. And so, yeah, for us, it's, yeah. I, and like, no one quote me on that. I don't like, I like, I, I think I've heard something similar. I, I think like something similar. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think that um, harm reduction for us looks a lot like talking through, talking through firearm training. hundred percent. As we wrap up, is there anything you would like to say to maybe women who are listening to this podcast or any martial artists, people kind of thinking a bit on the fence about getting back into training or getting into training? I, I actually just received an email today and somebody asked me for a tip, um, like insights about like finding a place that suits you. And, and my, my biggest thing is ask to talk to people, um, ask, you know, what their kind of views are on things, read their websites. Um, you know, for me, I make sure our gym has a rainbow flag in it uh, to show people that they're welcome. Um, we don't hide who we are. And most people who are trauma informed are not going to hide that you're going to find, you're going to find pretty quick that with, if you're welcome. And so I, I always say, if it's not with us, you know, for us at Valley Self-Defense, then I hope that you find someone, someplace that welcomes you for who you are. Um, we never just bring our physical self to the mat. You know, we're bringing all of us, we're bringing our trauma, we're bringing our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can't accept my tears on the mat, you don't deserve them, right? And so that's always been my biggest thing is I'm going to take, I'm going to take my tears and I'm going to take who I am and, you know, my heart to a place that, that cares about me for who I am. And so there are places out there for all of you. I, and I know it and you will find it. Um, it just may take time though. I hope less and less as, as time goes on. Yes, that is absolutely the dream. And Danae, how can people connect with you in person or online? Oh, yay. This is the best part. I love this. Okay. So (laughs) valleyselfdefense.com. Um, 
I write most of our blog posts. So if you're looking, it's called We Do Our Own Stunts. And it's a lot about trauma-informed care, um, how gym providers can um, take care of their students. I'm on Instagram as Valley Self-Defense. You could find me at Danae Hudson 85 um, on Instagram, but you're going to laugh. I just got a new phone and I don't remember my Instagram password. <laughs> so I'm logged on as the gym and I can't figure out how to log on as myself. So if you find thing, Valley yeah. Self-Defense... <laughs> I, you know, I was like looking at my phone and trying to log into everything. And I was just like, I don't remember any of these passwords at all. So like, if you, if you find Valley Self-Defense anywhere though, or Valley Self-Defense at gmail.com, like, we'll hundred percent be willing to talk with you chat. And I don't care where you're from. I just like to talk <laughs> and talk about, you know, what we do in trauma informed care, just because it's so important. Absolutely. We'll put all the links to all of the the Instagram website, Gmail, everything in the show notes so people can contact you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you so much for finding us. I, I love the, I love the story about it. So it's absolutely perfect. No, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. And have a wonderful day, evening, everyone. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fightback Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me, which is heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to like and subscribe, oh, that's a bonus. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. Fear nothing, no complacence. Walked to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause huh, I'm the one that power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives No longer isolated, but elevated and selective Darkest places become beautiful spaces This is where rage meets patience Meets power meets gracious Meets we're so glad you came in, the feeling is contagious When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions When you the manifest enough collecting all they tensions You the soul and body hold it all and still remember But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders Forgot what it was like to have control over self Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge Forgot in my reflection I could see all my wealth Forgot that with my bare hands I break all these bars Barriers and obstacles, they can't cage me, they can't cry all my experiences and reduce them to appearances When I was truly beaten, gave myself clearances To fall down, mess up, and get myself back up I'm not looking for clovers cause I don't believe in luck Damn you were badass, I heard them say it clearly Why thank you very much, I know now I'm not weary Of what's next for me cause I expect to see Growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be The positivity and accountability Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry 
Sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin Boundaries, I know them well Take a breath and meditate Who is she? I know her well Now I get to open gates One, two, one, two I don't need your permission And if you get uncomfortable Then use your intuition To know that I won't stay Where respect is ever missing And everything I do That's me making decisions It's truly underrated The value of self-worth Forgot that I was rich From the moment of my birth A penny for my thoughts No, really, you can't afford it You cannot buy my story Rewrite it or record it You cannot buy my story Rewrite it or record it huh.